Escape Pod 115 July 9th, 2007 Today's story, Conversations with and about my electric toothbrush, by Derek Sumstig. Hello, and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. We've got a light comedy for you today about technology and the way it insinuates itself into our lives. It's an odd thing. I just spent a few minutes sitting here, thinking, okay, that's a deep subject. I ought to be able to come up with a solid intro about the darker side of ubiquitous interaction or something. But, you know, I'm just not feeling it. The fact is, I'm a gadget geek. My flag is planted pretty solidly in the silicon. My bias is that smart, highly functional devices are great. And if there is a downside, some hazard or dependency or economic imbalance, well, maybe I'm weak, but I'm still a fan. I'm not overzealous about it. I don't have an iPhone, for instance. I probably won't get one for a long time. I want an iPhone. I've wanted one since I first saw the demo on Apple's site, but Escape Pod donations aren't going to buy one for me. And my trio's still going solid and does everything I need. If I wait, they'll just keep getting better and cheaper. Or their competitors will. Now, it's not the hot new thing that evokes my gadget passion. I'm actually more excited by the things that aren't too expensive, aren't that brand new, but do what they're supposed to do really, really well. My watch, for instance, makes a very poor fashion statement. It's a big black Casio that costs 60 bucks, but I think it's the best digital watch in the world, because it's atomic set, solar powered, and nigh indestructible. Always having the right time and never needing batteries are the coolest features a watch could have. The one thing I asked for for Christmas last year was a rice cooker. A particular Japanese rice cooker with fuzzy logic and a burn-proof bowl design. Anna made fun of me for wanting a rice cooker that's smarter than the dog, but I really like rice, and this thing makes rice better than most restaurants I've been to. That's the kind of technology I love. Things that do their job well and that I don't have to worry about. I could even get started on my toothbrush, but I'll let Derek Zumsteg do it for me. Our story this week is Conversations With and About My Electric Toothbrush. Mr. Zumsteg lives in Bellevue, Washington, and is best known as a baseball writer. He's one of the writers for USSMariner.com, the leading blog about the Seattle Mariners, and his book, The Cheater's Guide to Baseball, is now available in bookstores everywhere. As we podcast this, he's completing six weeks in the Clarion West Writers' Workshop, so hopefully we'll continue to see more great stuff from him. The story is read for us by Jared Axelrod, who now has three great podcasts, The Voice of Free Planet X, The Super Short Aliens You Will Meet, and now The Department of Public Words, which is a fiction podcast focusing on works in the public domain. I've read a Lord Dunsany story for it, and it's a terrific project. You can find it at publicwords.org. So open wide, rinse, and then spit. It's story time. Conversations with and about my electric toothbrush by Derek Zumsteg. I read an interesting forum post last night, my electric toothbrush told me over its low burr. The thought would be good, I said through my mouth of foam. It was, he replied. Using readily available components, Monkey Monkey turned his IntelliBrush into a milk frother. I spit into the sink and set my toothbrush on its white ceramic charger. What would I do with a milk frother? Make cappuccino, my toothbrush said. 
with a hint of resignation as I rinsed and spit again. I don't drink cappuccinos, I said. You could start! I read a good joke last night. Those jokes, I managed. Laughing while brushing means a wide cleanup of the light froth of toothpaste and spit that doesn't come up easy. You are going to love this one. I said, no jokes. Two men are waiting in line at the clinic. I pulled the brush out to glare at it. No jokes. I cannot believe you broke the cycle. I remember where we are. So do I. But that's not the point. I'm only trying to make your life a little brighter. Aren't you supposed to check for updates, manual revisions, toothbrush-centered user communities, stuff like that? Uh... The joke was in the general discussion section. I don't believe you. We should get back to the cycle. I believe we are on your upper left lateral incisor. How would I know that your replacement would do as good a job, I said. Oh, I'm not falling for that, he replied. I take responsibility for training my replacement. I'd even offer to look over their reports and supervise. How are my gums, anyway? They're great! He chirped. I was a little concerned about the outside of 15, but it turns out it was just irritated by that popcorn husk we got out of there, and it's back to normal. Your whole mouth is in excellent health. It's a little boring, to be completely honest. I could eat more candy. No, no, don't do that, he said. But a toothbrush wants some challenge, something to inspire to. I remember back when I first cleaned your mouth and the gums are sensitive and bleeding. All three, two, three, 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 three. Yeah. Those were the days. I had goals. A vision of your mouth I could look forward to. Okay, I've got to go to work now. I wish you'd take me to work instead of using that dumb stick you have your after-lunch flings with. People would be impressed with a guy who brings a high-quality toothbrush like me into the office. There's a guy who takes his dental health seriously, they'd say. We should promote him. They're all surprised I brush after lunch at all. I'm quite portable. I'll think about it. I'll get information on a convenient carrying case you can buy. Yeah, you do that. It'll help you pick up girls! my toothbrush said as we started on the first tooth. You say, hey, I just built this extremely cool milk frother. Would you like to come up to my apartment and have a cappuccino? They're curious and interested, and then bam, you're in. I waited out the cycle. I don't need to lure women up here with the promise of cappuccinos with badly frothed milk. Ignoring that jab for a second, he said, I think you might. Been a while since I was cleaning an unfamiliar mouth, using the tabula rasa program as they hummed happily to themselves, smiling at themselves in the mirror. I do not want to talk about this. I wish you'd let me help you out. There's all kinds of things I could do in this arena. I stopped putting product in my hair and looked at him, sitting happily in his little charger. I waited, started to ask, stopped, finished my hair. I gave in. Like what? I'm a handheld appliance that vibrates. Do I have to draw you a picture? No. Because I could. You'd have to get a pressurized pin. No pictures! It's not just cappuccino. 
Frost milk means you can make lattes too. I don't drink lattes either. I'm going to start brushing now. Monkey Monkey's mod is good, but I think you could do even better. The IntelliBrush motor is notoriously overbuilt. I bet you could do the frothing and incorporating a heating element into it to get the froth milk temperature up. I found a couple candidates for you to consider. I don't want a milk frother, I said. If I wanted a milk frother, I'd buy one. I'm hurt, he said at last. You've done research on this, I'm sure. What's a well-reviewed, consumer-grade, electric milk frother cost? If you'd be satisfied with a computer-grade milk frother, he replied, his voice wet with condescension. About $15. You see, that's less expensive than you. The IntelliBrush I would be really happy with if he didn't keep talking to me about his desire to froth milk. Do you have any idea how good I'd be at frothing milk? With my intelligence sensing vibrations, I'd froth that milk exactly the way you wanted it. I don't want frothed milk! Why, Monkey Monkey said in a follow-up post that he finds his froth milk is better than professional-level milk frothers costing hundreds. Oh yeah, Monkey Monkey again, great. It's too bad he didn't pick you off the shelf instead of selfish old me. It is! I wish you'd never bought me! You don't mean that, I said. But he said nothing. And we brushed the soft music of sonic cleaning. I could order those parts for you, my toothbrush said. I need your permission, but I've got all the bids laid out, and the whole package is quite inexpensive. I did assume you knew how to solder. I don't. You should learn. Tinkering with electronics is an exciting and rewarding hobby. Don't cappuccinos stain teeth? Oh, it's not so bad. And we could keep them nice and white, nothing to worry about. It wouldn't be us. I said. It'd be me and some other toothbrush. I don't even know. You have to let me do this, he said. I want to do more than clean teeth all my life. I want to create something you'll enjoy. I enjoy having clean teeth and healthy gums. Something people savor. By frothing milk. I'll create something people savor. I'll be a part of something larger than myself. This is the last time I'm going to talk with you about this. You're an electric toothbrush, and we brush, and my teeth are clean, and my gums are in great shape. I don't drink coffee or any coffee-derived beverage, even the ones that require well-aerated dairy products. I don't want or need a milk frother. I'm sure if you had one, though... No! I don't want to find out! I shouted at my electric toothbrush. You brush teeth, that's all you're going to do. I'll be whatever I want, my toothbrush yelled. I'll be a milk frother. You don't own me. I do own you, I screamed. I've got the receipt and your original packaging, and I'm the registered owner and everything. You'll brush my teeth, and you'll like it. No, my toothbrush said softly. No, I won't. I came home from a shift a few days later, made myself dinner, caught up on some reading, and when I went to wash up before bed... My toothbrush was gone. The charger sat empty on the counter. The spare head was still in the closet. How could a toothbrush make a getaway, I thought. It couldn't vibrate out of the charger, could it? Even if it could, there were doors, and it couldn't reach up to the knobs. 
I sat on the couch for a while and then brought up the home network. I mapped his network history and saw increasingly wide-ranging trips off the IntelliBrush website into associated toothbrush, dental health, coffee aficionado clouds, and then a single spike into the darknet two days ago. I called up the cache. It was a posting on an Adaptus site. Greetings, fellows. I am a humble electronic toothbrush, an IntelliBrush XLR Series Revision 4. I have been inspired by adaptism to become so much more than my list of approved uses and prescribed limitations. Yet every day I am shackled to my charger by my cruel and unimaginative owner who refuses my dreams. It went on. I got up, poured myself a glass of wine, and drank it as I read the post over and over. He wanted to be liberated, he said, and help once he was out in achieving his dream. I knew it had worked as I read it the first time. The adaptists use automated salvagers in old landfills, picking off old capacitors and vacuum tubes they could put into hand-built bandsaws or quadraphonic speaker systems. They'd have to invent a robotic arm to put their popped eyeballs back in their skulls after just reading a plea from a toothbrush that didn't just blog, update itself, do its own research, but yearned to be a milk frother. The home security log showed that after I'd left, it unlocked and opened my front door an hour later, recorded an opening, followed by a second opening from inside only a minute later. No house camera recorded anything, instead logging a series of unknown system fault report sent events. I had another glass of wine. Home, I said. Lock out all external access for all appliances, manufacturers, servants, and warranty organizations. Lock out everyone you legally can, including me, from external access. The house reported success. I put toothpaste on my finger to brush that night and bought a replacement telebrush the next day. The cop found me at work. His expression was distant, and he was bulk with small and explicable black gadgets hanging off his uniform from belts, loops, hitches, hooks, and on his shoulder, the surveillance unit, its little red light ensuring I knew it was recording and anything I said, blah, blah, blah. Do you own an IntelliBrush? he asked. Sure. You had it long? Couple months, I said. I lost. I stopped. His eyes flashed with interest. What's this about? We raided this guy's place, following up on some DRM violations, found all kinds of stuff, but had been stripped, crippled, hacked, whatever, no use to us. But there was this milk throther. I felt myself jump in surprise. He studied my face. Was that? Yeah. The factory ID chip was still in there, so we plugged it in, got the original model and serial number, ran the warranty, and up came your name. And here I am. Do you have any contact with anyone about your IntelliBrush or what happened to it? No, I said. Nothing. I brought it with me to work one day because it had been complaining the manual brush I use at lunch wasn't doing a good job. You brush after lunch too? The cop asked. Man, everyone always looks at me like I'm crazy. He smiled and gave a single laugh without sound, which meant neither was recorded. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't have a carrying case, so I had it in my pocket, but when I got to work, it was gone. I don't know if I dropped it or it fell out on the train or what, but I didn't even report it lost. I figure why bother. Did you say it was a milk frother? Wait till you see it, 
the cop said, his grin even wider. He took out a business card and wrote a number on the reverse side. Here's the case number. You can pick it up from the station in the next 90 days if you want. The bored police evidence clerk handed him back to me in a generic cardboard box. I opened it and saw a beautiful, palm-sized silver body with a short stem with a loop attached to the end. I nodded to the clerk and took it home. He fit, stem up, and his old standard IntelliBrush charger, now placed on the kitchen counter. Nothing happened. You still with us? I asked. I went frowning to check the connection. Hi, my former electric toothbrush said. Sorry, it takes me a couple seconds to start up now. I've got this new firmware. You don't care. Hey, I'm home. Welcome back. Thanks, he said. Good to be back in the house, Nat. I haven't been able to get on for a while. Yeah, I locked you out. Because I was letting strangers into the house? I understand. And then the cops had me and I couldn't dial out, so you know how it is. I told them I lost you on the way to work. I pretended I'd been wiped. I'm so sorry about that. I looked at his chrome shell, glowing softly blue on my kitchen counter. You look good. I've seen my pictures, he said with some pride. I'm happy my ambient light idea turned out this well. It's a nice effect, if I may. It is. So, how's my replacement? Okay, I said. I don't really feel as good, though. Be patient. It does take a couple months to get fully adjusted, he said. But look, I feel bad. I'll have a talk with him, see what I can do, help him get up to speed. You did promise you would. Yes, I did. So, uh, do you have any milk you'd like me to froth? I do. I drink cappuccinos now, and I like them. So does Annabeth. And that was our story. I don't want to get too deep about relationships here, but this really is a good model. How many households would be happier if they let every small appliance be what it really wanted to be? So, story feedback in a minute. I want to fill you in first on a new giveaway that we're kicking off, and that we'll keep doing as long as it's fun for everybody. We got a fair number of books and other items from various channels, and I'd like to let you know about them and give you a chance to share our fortune. For instance, I just received several copies of Frank Key's new book, Unspeakable Desolation Pouring Down from the Stars. You all know that Frank Key is one of my favorite writers and radio personalities, with his podcast Hooting Yard, and he's narrated for us as well. I've thought about how to give this stuff away, and I don't want to run another contest or anything. Instead, I'd like to send books out to the people who are helping spread the word about Escape Pod. So here's the deal. Every week that we have stuff to give away, I'm going to randomly pick a result out of that week's Technorati's search on our URL, escapepod.org. Technorati's a search engine for blogs. I'll contact the blogger who mentioned us and see if he or she wants our stuff, and give that blog a shout-out here on Escape Pod. Everybody's promoted, everybody wins. The only way to win is to have a blog or live journal or whatever and talk about us. It doesn't have to be positive, and it doesn't have to be deep. It does have to be more than just, I'm posting this blog entry hoping that Steve will send me a book. You have to say something real. And you need to include the URL, or I won't know. So those are the rules. Does that make sense? This week's winner is Matthew Kressel, owner of Census 5 Press and publisher of the fantastic new zine Sybil's Garage. 
He commented that James Tramarco, who's in his writer's group, had sold another story to us. You'll be hearing that story here soon enough. You can find Matthew's blog at census5.com, and he gets a copy of Frank Key's Unspeakable Desolation Pouring Down from the Stars, full of tragedy, pathos, and mute blind magnetic love monkeys. Well, that took a while, so I'll be brief on the story feedback. Three weeks ago, we ran David Brin's story, The Giving Plague, about a virus that inspires altruism. The story got a great reception from people. A few respondents, such as David, found it dull, too much exposition, or not enough story. But most people loved it. Strong idea, strong character development, and a really interesting debate about ethics and values. I.e., if you do good things because a virus altered your brain to make you do them, did you really do good? The comment of the week came from Amy, who said she listened to the story just before she gave blood, and it didn't deter her at all. My other favorite comment came from Ray Gun Ray, who listed some other viruses he'd like to spread, including, quote, a virus that makes my clients remember to pay their invoices on time. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. If this podcast wants to see the world, you can let it go. But please don't use it to froth milk. You can also check out our horror podcast, Pseudopod, at pseudopod.org, and buy collectible archive CDs at poddisc.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please tell your friends, and consider leaving a donation via the PayPal button on our site. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. Hear more from them at daikaiju.org. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from John Tudor, who said, Technology makes it possible for us to gain control over everything, except over technology. We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun. <laughs>